Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Critical race theory originated in law schools, but over time, professional educators and activists in a host of settings, K-12 teachers, DEI advocates, racial justice and democracy activists, among others, applied CRT to help recognize and eliminate systemic racism. That's, that's not me saying it. That's me looking at people like Terry McAuliffe running for governor of Virginia saying, oh, that critical race theory doesn't exist. Are taught. I was very clear that we don't teach critical race theory here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and it's a racist dog whistle, and he's got to stop it. I'm about uniting. Our children should not be used as political pawns. Uh, we agree. Children should not be used as political pawns, but that's what's happening. You want no counter to indoctrinating children. Understand what is happening here and why we bring it up. Remember that it is imperative and important to keep pushing back on this. And there are an unlimited number of people who say, how dare you push back on it? It's proof you're a racist. Focusing on what's going on in kids' schools, your kids' schools, there's nothing wrong with that. You should be pushing back. And these are the same people who then tell you that January 6th is the worst thing that ever happened to the country. I know that's not true. It was a riot. It wasn't an insurrection. They want to have investigations, as I've often said. I can't start an investigation. I can't stop an investigation. I'm not about to get crazy about an investigation. You want to have some nonsense committee? Go right ahead. I don't stop you from doing the thing. But my goodness, goodness. My gosh, my goodness, my goodness, there you go. They are desperate to keep us from speaking out about critical race theory and anti-racism, both of which are aimed at engaging and inculcating bigotry. Hatred of self and hatred of others. That's what they do. Because it's never been about race, it's always been about ideology. It's always about destruction. Tearing down of the American ethos, tearing down of the nuclear family. We've already seen this with Black Lives Matter, the organization. They don't believe in the nuclear family. We exposed this multiple times. They changed the website. Never mind the fact that the whole organization is a fraud and a grift. Patrice Cullors has four houses and black business owners who had their entire world burned to the ground because of justice or something. They're left in the cold. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz, everything at TonyKatz.com. By the way, what I, what I just read to you about critical race theory originating in law school, that's Kimberly Crenshaw, who, one of the founders, if not the founder of critical race theory. Of course it's taught in schools. It doesn't matter if they say it's not. They lie. And they are hell-bent on you not speaking out. So I had the chance to speak with William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection. And LegalInsurrection.com, he's a Cornell Law professor, has been doing uh, the, the, the yeoman's work, if you will, in showing what's going on, showing what's going on in the schools. And so there is this, this group that put together this, this event, the African American Policy Forum, they put together this, this thing to show who's going after critical race theory. 
What is the infrastructure behind the war on racial justice? First things first. There's no such thing as racial justice. Anything justice is wealth redistribution. Social justice, economic justice, climate justice. It's code for wealth redistribution. So who do they have on their list? They have Christopher Rufo, of course, on the list from Manhattan Institute and City Journal. And they have John McWhorter of, of Reason, Azra Namani, who a lot of people know of, and William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor and the mind behind legal insurrection, who we have on the show all the time. So I reached out to him yesterday. I'm like, you got to come on and talk about this. He goes, honestly, I haven't seen the thing yet. So I got to see it first. And then he emails me back. He's like, I've seen the thing. I'm ready. Oh, oh it's on. So I'm, I, 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 I talked to him and I'm like, so, so what's it like being one of the frontline spokespeople against critical race theory and anti-racism, this bigotry, and, and, and what's it like to be the problem? Well, I'm the solution. I'm not the problem. They are the problem. I mean, it's really surprising. Uh, I guess it's not surprising that, you know, the people who control academia, who control the media, who control now corporations still feel the need to try to single out and isolate and attack individuals like myself and several others, many of whom on their literature are non-white. In fact, most of them on the page you're talking about are non-white people, professors, authors, activists who are against the racialization of education. And so I'm honored to be on that list, but it also just shows how pathetic these people are that despite all the money they have, all the power they've accumulated, they still, their message still isn't resonating. As Christopher Rufo goes through this, um, the language within their their handouts discusses disinformation, McCarthyism, January 6th, uh, big lie, alt-right, Steve Bannon and the Koch brothers make the list, fringe element extremist, voter suppression, and right-wing attacks. Uh, David, uh, Christopher Rufo's point, I should say, Christopher Rufo's point uh, from City Journal is that this isn't a sign of confidence. As you see the pushback against parents speaking out against what they're seeing in the schools, which is not about uh, being opposed to discussions of race, but rather indoctrination of students and teaching them that they're guilty based on the color of their skin or they're oppressed based on the color of their skin. um, What do you get when you see a guide filled with this kind of language? Well, it's not the first time that I've seen it. The uh, people pushing the CRT are highly organized, highly well-funded. And I've seen other messaging guides. They like to produce guides and talking points for their supporters and their activists as if they are incapable of coming up with it on their own. So I've seen these sort of guides. There's a group called Future of Learning. That's a coalition of over 300 uh, pro-CRT educational groups funded by major foundations and also uh, seems to be under the thumb of the National Education Association, which is one of its funders. They have a messaging guide. They have talking points. They have things that are literally called talking points, and they hire strategic consultants. And this whole and they create these red herrings, these false arguments that, oh, you know, People opposed to the racialization of education, they just don't want us to talk about history. Well, I don't know anybody who says you shouldn't teach history, but why don't we teach history in history class? Why do we have to inject this racial element into math class and into physics class? And why must every single aspect of a child's life and education now be 
forced to revolve around the color of skin. That's what people are objecting to. Nobody serious uh, is objecting to teaching about slavery or teaching about Jim Crow. Those things are already taught in school. It's really the fact that they make skin color the singular focus of a child's life. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. You take a look at just a couple of stories uh, that you have up at LegalInsurrection.com. You've got the Loudoun County Public School Board denying that they knew about an alleged sexual assault in a school bathroom. You have parents kicked out of a North Carolina school board meeting. And a story that you have been following very closely, the harassment of... um, a whistleblower teacher, a Providence uh, anti-critical race whistleblower teacher, as well as a parent who wanted to know more about critical race theory and got sued by the school board for making too many requests. Here in, in Indiana, we've got a school board, the Carmel Clay School Board has decided, well, you parents are just too rude and too mean, and so we're going all virtual. Now, people have yelled, people have gotten angry. One person had a gun slip out of their pocket. That happened. I, I, I like to give you the full story as opposed to a narrative story here but so one person does that and the next thing you know no other parents are allowed to speak as if somehow that was the only reason they would have prevented parents from from speaking out you see parents pushing back all day they're reaching out to you they're talking to you how do you suggest they go about engaging these conversations or is it just full-on keep the pressure on until they learn that the parents are in charge I think you have to keep the pressure on the people running these school boards, not every school board, but certain school boards um, are uh, activists. They view their role to be activists. They want to uh, indoctrinate your children in an ideology that most Americans of all colors and all ethnicities do not agree with. And uh, I think the pressure needs to be kept on, but people need to do it peacefully. They need to do it lawfully and they need to be extremely careful because there is a lot of money and a lot of power behind these groups. And it just takes one person uh, to create a news distraction. Tony, you probably remember the Tea Party movement. We followed it very carefully. You could have 4,000 people at a rally with 1,500 signs, and they would find the one person in the crowd with the sign that was offensive. And that would now become the entire media focus. And there were documented instances where they actually planted people in crowds to say nasty things and to carry rude signs so that they could publicize it. So you need to keep the pressure on, but it needs to be done lawfully. Uh, You have a constitutional right to express your opinions to public officials, and you have the constitutional right to do it in a tone of voice that is above a hush. Okay, you don't need to speak in soft tones. That's a good point. Just so you bring that up. The Constitution doesn't say free speech only for people who do not talk about... But we hear that at school boards right here in central Indiana, where uh, you're not allowed to make a threatening tone or you're not allowed to raise your voice. They're putting limits, uh, limits on speech? That's not the way it's supposed to work? When have you ever heard that limit placed on left-wing protesters? When did you ever hear a public official say, oh, well, the Black Lives Matter protests can't happen in our city because you know what? They're shouting. No, that doesn't happen. That only happens to parents who are objecting to the indoctrination of their children, to parents who are asserting their parental rights. So don't go for this. Keep the pressure on, but again, do it lawfully and do it in a very smart way because there are... The media is not your friend. The the mainstream media 
is not your friend. Any slip-up, any single incident will be portrayed as indicative of the entire movement, and we know that it's not. Before I let you go, sir, the Department of Justice from the the School Boards Association request basically labeling uh, parents as domestic terrorists uh, that the the others decided to say, well, that's not what really happened. It seems very obvious that's uh, what what happened here. Are you hearing anything about the DOJ making moves to make it harder for parents to be able to speak out about their child's education and advocate for their kids? DOJ already made its move. That memo was intended to intimidate people. That memo was intended to give school boards and left-wing activists the ability to accuse people who are not violent of being potentially violent or of being potential domestic terrorists. So the DOJ already made its move, and I think it's going to backfire. From what I'm seeing, there is enormous energy in reaction to that and enormous defiance. And the fact that they had to go to DOJ, and this is all appearing to be a a setup, that this is uh, they needed an excuse for the DOJ to go after people or to at least demonize them. And that school board letter was phony as anything. That was a setup. And uh, I'm hearing from people that they are they are energized like never before. And the fact that they have to go to DOJ and they have to try to criminalize political disagreement shows you they don't have confidence in their arguments. I cannot tell you how much I agree with the idea of keeping up the pressure. And my thanks to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. You can be a part of the foundation as well. We've talked about it here. They won't allow you in a school board meeting? Do your own school board meetings. Set up right there on on the lawn or in the lobby of, of the school building. Let them arrest you. What does it matter? What's wrong with civil disobedience? What what I I thought uh, protest is patriotic, dissent is patriotic. These people want to silence you. These people hate you. And as I say it, since we know, as, as William Jacobson was explaining, you know, the DOJ made their move by putting out the memo. Any school board that hasn't come out to say we don't think t- uh, parents are domestic terrorists think parents are domestic terrorists. This is what they're saying. Because by saying nothing, they're saying something. Why? Because silence is violence. Yeah, I get it's a nonsense term. Don't get me wrong. But if we're going to play by their rules, if they want to have these rules, we're going to damn well play by them, and they have to live up to them. That's Alinsky, baby. Do you not know Alinsky rules for radicals? Oh, you got to know from where people like Hillary Clinton learned. You got to learn. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. That's what you have to do. They've got these rules. Well, you have to live up to those rules. Since it's impossible to all the time live up to your rules, that you try, sometimes you fail, and on the failure, that's where you attack. Can you imagine there are people who live their lives by that? But if they want to play this game, okay. 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 That's what we'll do. Parents get called domestic terrorists. School boards are silent. Silence is violence. They're guilty. Got to throw them out. Just like in Loudoun County. The school boards that won't listen got to go. Now, school boards that at least listen and disagree with you, well, then you can vote them out. That's rational. That's how it should work. I don't believe in getting rough and tumble that way. 
I believe in letting them know where you stand. I believe in putting the pressure on. If they don't like it, they don't have to be members of the school board. They're public officials. This is what it takes in the, in the, in the guise of being a public official. I don't think people should scream at you at your home. I think that you better be listening to them at the school board meeting. I'm Tony Katz. Thank you all very much. That's the president of the United States scampering off stage, not answering a question regarding the supply chain. And he did not make the convincing argument. He didn't make the convincing argument on the supply chain. He has the idea, well, the answer is uh, drive late at night. Well, I don't think that driving late at night is a bad idea, but it doesn't answer how you're going to get the drivers. I mean, we've been talking about it all day. Sharing, I mean, the, the, the truckers aren't opposed to this. Where are you going to find the truckers? How are you convincing them to get back to work? How are you incentivizing work again? Because you have been disincentivizing work. You and your party, President Biden, this is what you've been doing. This is the result of your policies. You want the port to be open 24-7? I have no problem with that. My question is where are you going to find the people? Where do you plan to find the people to work here? And there's no answer for that question. And there, there needs to be an answer to that question. Where do you think? Where do you think you're going to find them? As for the port being open 20, 24 hours, I, I think I'm amongst many people who are like, whoa, well, the, the ports aren't open 24 hours a day, seven days a week? We don't have people working? That's interesting to me. I, 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 would, I would have just assumed that, that we did. I, I, I would have absolutely assumed that, that we, we have done that. So, no, Joe Biden didn't answer questions. The problems still remain. And they're already on it. Hey, uh, don't expect Christmas. Don't expect it to go well. Order now or else. Meanwhile, Ron Klain, he's got his own take on it. I wonder how much Ron Klain is running things, the chief of staff. I'll share with you his uh, total tone deafness. That story is coming up. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. So as for that Ron Klain tweet, he's the chief of staff for Joe Biden. They're all trying to downplay the supply chain. And he's quoting a guy by the name of Jason Furman. Can't tell you I'm an expert on Jason Furman. Professor of a practice at Harvard. I believe an economics uh, guy. 
And Furman's tweet said, most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. We wouldn't have had them if the unemployment rate was still 10%. We would instead have had a much worse problem. And Ron Klain retweeted that, saying this right here. This is what matters. High-class problems? You want to buy Christmas gifts for your kids, and it's a high-class problem? Why not just say, hey, bitches, stop complaining? I mean, that's what he's saying. What a peculiar... Tone deaf. Never mind, affirming. Ron Klain retweets this. High-class problems? Right now, not able to get into port is the product that you sell in your business. But that's a high, that's a high-class problem you've got there. You not able to run your business because you can't get the stock. High-class problem. You should see what people send me. What they're paying for coffee, because those coffee prices are going up, and they get them, you know, by the, by the, by the case, not the case, the the the, the load, the, the container, and it's, it's it's you know they get the the green coffee and then they roast it themselves. That's the way it should be, and paying crazy amounts of money if they can get it at all. That's not a high class problem. That's how a coffee a shop runs its business. What a, what an irrational point of view. But I expect nothing less from this administration, certainly nothing less from Ron Klain, who is only interested in political power and only interested in insulting those who disagrees with him. This was the Ebola czar for uh, Barack Obama. He was the chief of staff for Vice President Biden. And when COVID came, he didn't like, hey, he didn't go, you know, what can I do? Hey, what can I do to help? He didn't say that. No, no, no. He said, how can we use this politically? That's the kind of guy he is. Not because I say so, I've never met the man, but because he shows you so. This brings us to what kind of people are in the NFL. Uh, Producer Ari, it's another John Gruden story. Another one? So here's the headline. DeMaurice Smith. Uh, That is the person. What was that? DeMaurice Smith. It's not DeMaurice? It's DeMaurice. Okay, I was reading it, so I read it as DeMaurice, but it's DeMaurice, who's the executive director of the NFL Players Association, is wondering what else is in the emails that were gathered as part of the league's investigation into the Washington football team. So we are now into a whole thing. Now, it was Smith that John Gruden was talking to Bruce Allen about, Bruce Allen, former president of of the Washington football team. He was the the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Gruden was the coach. I, oddly enough, have a football signed by John Gruden and Bruce Allen. It's right right, right over my shoulder right here. So when speaking about Smith, it's when uh, one of the ways Gruden got into some pretty ugly talk. You could argue it's ugly talk. You could argue it was a private email. You can also argue it was ugly talk. You can argue that the NFL is a hypocritical organization, that you can be charged with domestic abuse and still play football, but write something unsavory in an email privately, and your whole career is over, and your legacy is over. John Gruden doesn't go into the Hall of Fame now. I'm not saying he would have, but I know now he doesn't. That's... 
For the record, I believe OJ is still in the Hall of Fame. Just, just to share. Just to share. So Smith says, what I'm interested in is there are correspondence that suggests teams are making decisions about coaches based on the color of their skin. Are they actively hostile to players that have chosen to self-identify in various ways? Are they denigrating people based on sexual preference or religious identity? Well, here's, here's the problem, uh, sir. I, I, I don't know. But that you want to now go through everybody's personal emails? That's creepy. That's super creepy. I sometimes get the feel that there are people out there that were there 32 teams in the NFL. Yep. If there were 31 black quarterbacks, they would say not enough. I mean, that's it's a weird it's a weird position people have put themselves in. If you want to make the argument that people don't get hired for all sorts of reasons, I'll agree with you. If you want to make the argument that there have been multiple times in history that people didn't get hired because they were black, they did not get hired because they were black, you're right. Of course you're right. I'm not arguing such a thing. But that's not what you're discussing, Mr. Smith. You're discussing searching out to prove what could only be described as your theory. And that's ugly. So my question to you, Producer Ari, who pays more attention to this stuff than I do, exactly how detrimental is this to the NFL? How deep are they willing to go? How much are they willing to blow themselves up? Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, I think the NFL is under the impression that they can survive anything. They survived... Uh, they, they survived lockouts, they survived, you know, domestic abuse controversies with their players, they survived concussion stuff. I think they think they're bulletproof. They survived Kaepernick. They survived Kaepernick. And so, there is a theory, an underlying theory, that it is weird that of all these 600,000 emails, only these John Gruden ones got leaked. Why is that? And there's a theory that maybe the NFL wanted those ones to get leaked, to cover up something else. So they threw John Gruden under the bus? It is weird that of all of the emails... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, before you, before you go an, another step, we have, we have to do this properly. I'm not saying it. I just noticed no, it No, you're weird. not. You are saying it. You literally just said it. I'm not saying it's true. Oh, okay. So the idea is that whatever they've discovered from the Washington football team, and this has to do with sexual harassment and impropriety, a series of things. And there's a group of cheerleaders out of their heads. I, I read this I think yesterday, the day before. I was like, that's something. So there was a, 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 a swimsuit a photo shoot, swimsuit photo shoot. Yeah. And so it's the cheerleaders, and they're changing into different things. And somebody had done some recording of a behind-the-scenes and, of course, caught some of the cheerleaders changing and put together some kind of video of just those moments and started sharing it around. And the cheerleaders learned about it. They're like, what the hell is this? Oh, they're right. They are absolutely positively right. If someone is videotaping the cheerleaders while they're in a, in a, in a photo shoot where they're getting changed, videotape that and shared that to, let's say, Top Brass, because uh, Snyder, Dan Snyder, the owner of the team, is saying, I never saw that. That's super ugly. So people lose their jobs for that stuff. 
because the cheerleaders are right there, and the players better be coming out in favor of the cheerleaders. But you're saying that the rumor mill goes that there are things within this investigation that make the NFL look so bad that they needed a sacrificial lamb, and but it had to be a big one, and that lamb was John Gruden. It's a theory. And it's, it's not the craziest theory I've ever heard. All right, so, so I'll, I'll bite, man. What in the world could be in this investigation into the Washington football team, which should be the Washington Redskins, but hey, go live your life. What, what is it that they could be looking at? Oh, I mean, I have no idea. This whole investigation originally started due to Dan Snyder's alleged sexual harassment. So we're really in the weeds now. So I, if one of the owners comes out as a potential problem, that would look quite bad for the NFL. No, 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 no. Dan Snyder can look bad, and that's not a problem for the NFL. If the NFL said, keep your mouth closed, that's what looks bad for the NFL. That would also be bad. That's true. So, so it, it, Snyder, let's say Snyder did X, whatever you want X to be with uh, whichever woman. I'm not condoning it. But if that, that is something that the NFL can get through. If the NFL said, hey, just make that disappear. No, we're not going to investigate that. Oh, please. The, we, you haven't shown real proof of that. Oh, she complains all the time. One of those kinds of emails? That is very, very rough stuff. You will see sponsors say, nope, Roger Goodell's got to go. Whole leadership's got to go. Otherwise, we're, not, we're, we're pulling our sponsorship. We're, we're, we're FedEx. We can go sponsor the NBA. Where our biggest problem is Kyrie. So that's a crazy theory, man. That's what I. That's it's it's amongst the Twitter feed. Uh... And so this whole Demore Smith quote, his his concern, fair or not, was saying this was originally about a sexual harassment claim investigation. Why did this get leaked? Because this has nothing to do with that. Completely different team. Why did this get leaked? And how come there are some players on the Raiders who are defending him, saying, hey, he was great to me, he was terrific to me, and then comes Keyshawn Johnson, that guy was a fraud, he was a used car salesman, I never liked him. Sounds so, what are you doing? Keyshawn Johnson had issues with every coach and every quarterback he ever played with, so that's not shocking to me that he said that. Does Keyshawn go to the hall? Maybe, yeah. I mean, he was pretty good. He He was a diva, but he was good. Yeah, he was a diva. He he wasn't, uh, uh, what, what's his name, T- uh, Terry Owens' diva. Terrell Owens, also sh- Ter- should be in the Hall of Fame for sure, is not. Right. As opposed to, um, who's another who uh, big receiver? Randy um, Moss? Ch- uh, Chad Ochocinco. Yeah, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. No? He wasn't good enough, no. But he had the really cool name. He had that cool name for a year, and then he changed it back to Chad Johnson. Oh, did he? Yeah, and he also... Got kicked out of the league for physically assaulting his wife. So that's kind of a... Did he really? Yeah, and he was also washed up. I... Oh, oh, that's it. See, if he got kicked out of his prime, then it would have been horrible. But because he was washed up, it's okay uh, it was... that he has assaulted no... his wife? No, I was saying those are both reasons why he's not going to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, in the NFL, you can assault your wife and still play. 
if you're really good at football, that seems to be the standard. Yeah, you just can't use a a, a slur and still play that or coach. Is, that is the rule. Yeah, just so we know, just so we know how the NFL works. Like that's the part that for us, the fan. I mean, it, it's. At one moment, you're like, dude, this, this hypocrisy just reeks. We know you're in it for the money, but holy hell. The coach is indispensable, but the but the running back isn't? Or the coach is dispensable, but the running back isn't? That's, that's, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be we have a standard? If you fall below the standard, you're out? Money like, talks. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Money talks. Oh, man. Good Lord. Good lord, that, that I think that's one that the that the NFL is going to have to have to really experience. I think this go. I wonder if this goes to uh, the fans. Meaning, are they like, yeah, this is this is ridiculous? You take John Gruden out of the Ring of Honor in Tampa Bay, where he won their first Super Bowl, but Richard Sherman can play. I'm out. I'm not watching. Or is it the other way? Look at them taking responsibility for one of their disgusting coaches. I love the NFL. If I'm listening to you, producer Ari, people are like, yeah, they don't, they don't care. They just want to bet their money and drink a beer. Antonio Brown has got how many sexual assault allegations on his record right now, and he's playing in Tampa Bay? They didn't remove him. Right. So, But, you know, he's catching touchdown passes right now. So, you know, can't let him walk. Crazy. You know what? The more I think of it, the bigger the NFL problem is. <laughs> the bigger this problem is. This grows, man. This grows. Because what happens when a, a group of conservatives decide to press... Uh, what, what's a big NFL sponsor? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Why in the world do you sponsor a game that allows uh, sexual predators to, to, to make millions? Why you, we, you can't gather 100,000 signatures to say, hey, Coca-Cola, what the hell? You can't, but no one's going to put pressure on them that way. The National Organization for Women isn't going to put this, going to go down this road. It's okay. A guy writes a private email. I'm not saying it wasn't an ugly email. He's gone. These guys have been abusing women and they're making millions and you say nothing? Well, I guess uh, I, I guess we're not in it for the women. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's hard to uh, tell uh, Coca-Cola not to uh, sponsor the NFL when you're busy sitting in the suite for the games. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm Tony Katz. All right, if we're going to do conspiracy theories, we might as well go full on down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. Let me bring you this one. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. According to Twitter, foreign, foreign correspondent Newsmax reporting, Stephanopoulos over at ABC News, George Stephanopoulos, is going to sit down with Christopher Steele for the first interview since the publication of the Steele dossier. What? What? 
I I saw a news story the other day. I just it was just another you know Trump hate story. I moved past it. That uh, there there's another thing popping up about Trump and Russia and was it Ukraine or was it money? I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. Now I got to go back and find that story. Because every time I hear them bring up Trump's name, I'm like, oh, this this fetish doesn't you know it doesn't quit. And I get the 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 point to it. They have nothing else uh, they 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 can run on nothing at all. But then you see this. With everything going on, why would you interview Christopher Steele? I'd, I'd watch, just out of curiosity. I'd check it out. The story is dead, and it was proven false. The FBI said he wasn't trustworthy, nor was his subsource. There's nothing to talk about except why are you a liar? But now you pair it to this other story, you got to wonder what's going on. It's weird. That's a weird one-two punch. Ah, something doesn't... That smell right to you? Huh? By the way, I'm not the only person uh, saying that. There's a guy on Twitter who's a former CIA officer. He's like, this does, this does not smell right at all. So I was like, That's, that is very true. I saw the story, and I saw his tweet like, this doesn't. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.